the reading that we're going to use for the second week of Lent, and it's the reading taken from the first chapter of Genesis. So I'm going to read that for you and then hand over to Ian. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be light in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be light in the expanse of sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the great light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water Team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing that with which the water teems according to their kind. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the bird increase in in the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the earth. So God created man 
in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when all were created. We thank God for his word. And we pray now that uh, Ian will bless us with that message that God has planted in his heart and that our minds might be fruitful ground where seed is sown. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Thanks, Peter. Thanks a lot for uh, that reading, which was, uh, as we said, was part of our, uh, we agreed we'd call it our Lent thing that we're doing, the Lent course. We couldn't remember what it was called. I'm not going to dwell on it a lot. Just just when you're reading it, that, that verse uh, struck out to me. God saw all that it was made, that he made, and it was very good. Not just good, it was very good. And I just want to say about creation, I, I just think, wow, you know, it's awesome. It's incredible. If we think about the stars out there, if I think about being on a bike ride up top of a deer plane, we saw deer jumping over the fe- this fence, I remember. Everything about creation just makes me think, wow. Who am I? What am I? I just can't understand it. It's just beyond my mind, and I'm just, I'm just humbled at the workings of Creator God. And I was thinking to myself, it's kind of similar. Um, we, we take a similar approach if we want to know this Creator God as Father God. Not just Creator God, but Father God. We, we, um, we adopt a similar Approach. I want to read a few verses from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 4, and you'll recognize them. Um, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus, Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I'll tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And that got me thinking, wow, you know, much in the same way as I look at creation and think, wow, who am I? I think in our relationship, in our uh, coming to know Father God, we need to be, uh, Jesus tells us we need to be like children. But I was kind of thinking, what does that mean? Okay, what does that mean for me, Ian Berry, for us as a church to be children, to be childlike? And I think it means a, a couple of things. Certainly, I think it means childlike acceptance, perhaps, of certain things. The first of these is our need of salvation. 
I think I need to have a simple childlike acceptance that I need saving. I need saving. I remember I was very uh, blessed and and privileged to uh, become a Christian at quite a young age as a kid. And I remember thinking and understanding, yes, sin, I need to say sorry, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life and to forgive me. And I, I, I kind of got it. That's what I got. And I think perhaps sometimes as we get older, a bit older as adults, we tend to uh, reason things out and kind of rationalize things and maybe tend to complicate things. Oh, well, I'm not that bad, really. I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm quite a decent kind of bloke. I don't go around stealing or murdering or whatever. Surely God's a loving God. Surely he's fair. Yes, God is fair, but he's a holy, holy, supreme God. And I want to just read a few verses from Romans chapter 3 that, that I kind of, kind of quite like. Um, <laughs> just for, well, I'll read them anyway. No one is righteous is the title. Okay, so it gives you a bit of a clue. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written... There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Wow. That's a right cheer you up kind of scripture, isn't it? It's like, go on, let us, what you're thinking. Tell us what you're thinking. And I quite like that. It just makes it really clear. Let's not be under any illusions. Let's just accept the fact that we are sinful people and we need to be saved. That's the first thing we need to accept. The second thing for us to accept is our salvation. Our salvation is there for us. It's given us. Um, I mean, we, we, we had the reading this morning, the, one of the most well-known readings ever, John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's probably the, the kind of the, the, the verse I would have uh, latched on to perhaps as a, as a child when I became a Christian. Um, and we can, you know, it's, it's kind of quite a simple Simple language, simple wording, but very, no less profound and amazing in what it tells us. I'm going to read a, 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 a different sort of account, if you will, from Romans chapter 8, that puts it in a slightly different, perhaps slightly deeper way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life Set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. That's kind of quite a lot deeper. If if you told me that as a a five or six-year-old, I might have said, what? But it's basically saying the same thing. In the first verse it said, God gave his only son. In this verse it says, God sent 
Jesus, it's gave, it's sent. And what I want to say is that our salvation is a free gift. In whichever of these two verses you look at, our salvation is given us. It's a gift. It's not something we have to earn or be good enough for. We simply, as children, humbly accept what's been given. I want to tell you a little story. Um, years and years ago, perhaps 30-odd years ago, 35 years ago, we, we as a family lived in Bakeup, um, and we used to walk up to Dole's Baptist Church. Uh, it's now Weir uh, Village Church, isn't it? Uh, but back in the day, it was Dole's Baptist Church. And we used to walk up from Bakeup, uh, Fairview Estate, all the way down to Bakeup, all the way up the, the road, up to the top of Weir, every week. Come, come rain or shine or snow or whatever, we used to go up there. Um, and it was quite a, quite a trek, but we loved it as a family. And there were two services, morning and afternoon. So, of course, we, we stayed for the, for the whole day, walking all that way. Um, and we used to meet, and we used to meet downstairs in one of the Sunday school rooms for, uh, for a packed lunch. We'd all take butties and what have you. And I remember one day, uh, David Jackson was the pastor at the time. We were all sat around. And he said, uh, would anyone like that last uh, cucumber, uh, you know, tuna and cucumber butty or, or beef paste butty or whatever it was. And my younger sister, Patina, said, oh, yes, please. And away she went. Um, and mum and dad had to explain to her, actually, when someone says that, would anyone like that last biscuit? What they mean is, I want it. Is, it okay? is that okay? I'm going to eat it. And it was like, Patina. <laughs> David actually wanted that. But anyway, but there you go. So <laughs> there are things perhaps adults have to teach kids about offers and when you accept them and when you don't. But in the same way, I think children can teach adults things about accepting gifts. Um, as adults, it can be a bit awkward and a bit tricky, can't you, when you get a gift? Oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, you spent too much. Oh, I can't accept this. Well, well, listen, well, listen, I'll get the lattes next time we're at Costa. That'll, that'll, make, that'll make it okay. I'll get all the lattes next time at Costa. And sometimes you're thinking, look, just accept the gift. Allow me to bless you. Just accept this gift. What about fairness? What about fairness in gifts? So you get that, you get the birthday present. Well, she's got me two boxes of stationery from Sainsbury's. How much was that across? Well, last birthday, when I got her a present, I only got her one box of stationaries and one pen. But that was from Next, and Next is better quality. Oh, no, I got it in the Next uh, Boxing Day sales. So she spent about £17.49 on me, and I only spent £9.35 on her. What am I going to do? How complicated is that? The child just says, wow. Thanks. You've got me this. You've got me that. Wow, thank you. It's a gift. Thank you. And they just go off and they eat the thing you've given them or they play with it or whatever it is. You know, I think we've got a lot to learn from kids about accepting gifts. And this is our salvation. This is God's gift to us. And we don't have to be good enough. We don't have to do this, that, and the other and jump through 17 hoops. It's God's gift. It's God's gift to us. And we just say, thank you, Lord, for doing that for me, for saving me. And it's not just the gift of, of, of salvation, the gift of, of being saved. I believe God gives us ongoing gifts. Uh, we read in um, Matthew chapter 7, when I find it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 uh, to 11. No? 
verses. Hang on. Wrong chapter. Right, here we are. There we are. I should have brought my glasses up after all. Um, which of you, if, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask him? And as Christians, I believe God doesn't just give us the amazing gift of salvation, but we're blessed all the time with gifts, things he sends our way, personal little interventions into our life. Um, and I think we just need to accept these gifts with, 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 with childlike simplicity and say, Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Um, I want to read, I do like um, Matthew Henry's commentary on the, um, on the verses we read from, um, from Matthew chapter 18 about um, what it means to be childlike, to become as children. He says, um, let me find it. Children, when very young, do not desire authority, do not regard outward distinctions, are free from malice, are teachable, and willingly dependent on their parents. That's the key bit I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on. They're willingly dependent on their parents. Surely we need to be daily renewed in the spirit of our minds that we may become simple and humble as little children and willing to be the least of all. And that bit really, um, that really, bit really struck me about being willingly dependent. Uh, kids are willingly dependent on the parents. Um, and for us, with God, yeah, okay, sometimes it's easy to be dependent when times are tough, when my car's just blown up, when I've lost my job, when I've got sickness. Yeah, I can be dependent on God, but, but the rest of the time, hey, I'm okay. I'm doing quite nicely. I'm, I'm, I'm managing on my own. And I do believe that's the challenge about being dependent upon God all the time for everything. Not just when we really, really are in really dire straits. I want to read a little um, passage out of a book by Philip Yancey called Grace Notes. They're daily readings. And this, uh, this day's readings just struck me and seemed to fit in a little bit. It's called Alcoholic Teachers. Alcoholics Anonymous meets needs in a way that the local church does not, or at least did not for my friend. I, I asked him to name the one quality missing in the local church that AA had somehow provided. He stared at his coffee for a long time, and then he said softly this one word, dependency. None of us can make it on our own. Isn't that why Jesus came, he explained. Yet most church people give off a self-satisfied air of piety or superiority. I don't sense them consciously leaning on God or on each other. Their lives appear to be in order. An alcoholic who goes to church feels inferior and incomplete. It's a funny thing, he said at last. What I hate most about myself, my alcoholism was the one thing God used to bring me back to him. Because of it, I know I can't survive without God. I have to depend on him to make it through each and every day. Maybe that's the, the redeeming value of alcoholism. Maybe God is calling us alcoholics to teach the saints what it means to be dependent on him and on his community on earth. 
It's right. It's right that we should grow as Christians and become stronger in our faith. Of course, Paul Paul talks to us about growing up in our faith and not being infants uh, forever, doesn't he? But I do believe that as we grow as Christians, there's a clear difference from um, growing and developing by worldly standards. You know, in the world, it's all about oh, I'm becoming, I, I'm a self-made man, I'm, uh, I've made it on my own, I'm, I'm a self-reliant and all the rest of it. <clears throat> and I firmly, firmly believe that as Christians, as we grow, it should never be that we grow in independence from God. We grow as we learn to become more and more dependent on God. That childlike dependence that Matthew Henry talked about, that closeness and needing God in, in, in every... I don't know how it's going to apply in each of our lives, but needing God so much more and needing Him in everything, in everything we do. It's not just about... Uh, perhaps not just about needing Him and, and asking and wanting things, but, but just that kind of closeness and, and intimacy. Julie Crabtree and myself were both, uh, both took our daughters to, over to the gymnastics club in Burnley yesterday, and as we were sat waiting for our respective daughters to come out from gymnastics, we were just talking, and Julie was telling me about the other night, she said, we were, we were sat around doing our nighttime prayers, she said, uh, as a family, and so-and-so said, thank you for this, uh, and Molly had said, thank you for that, and thank you for this, and then there was a voice, a voice that said, you're welcome. Admittedly, it wasn't God. They left, they left an iPad on in the room. Um, and Siri or Alexa, whoever it was, had chipped in and joined in at the end of the, of the prayers. You're welcome. Um, but it just made me think how amazing that kind of, that kind of relationship, that kind of immediacy and closeness of a relationship with God, you know, that all the time we're talking and, um, sharing our, our days with Him. And that's just what I want to, <clears throat> pardon me. I think that's really what I, what I want to leave with you. Uh, Jesus said, we need to become like little children. I think, yeah, there's certain things we need to accept in childlike simplicity. But more and more, I think it's about being dependent upon our Father God for everything. Everything that we need, everything that we do. And having that closeness of relationship so that we can share everything with him. As we, uh, as we travel on through this life. Thank you. Amen.